0: Let me tell you a secret, veterans are entering a world full of opportunity, but you can only participate if you know the tricks of personal branding, leveraging your skills in the modern digital economy, and most importantly, positioning your benefits and assets to give you financial control when you stop following orders. I'm Scott Tucker, and I'm here to tell you what they don't want you to know. Welcome to Veteran Wealth Secrets, where we show you how to go from apathy and aspiration to autonomy and financial control. all right hey everybody scott tucker here and welcome back to another episode of veteran wealth secrets where we talk about a, how do you go from thinking you have to have a life of just paychecks and government benefits to a life of autonomy and financial control and a big part of that and this is a lot what i write about in my book uh, by the same name veteran wealth secrets available on amazon right now is getting all the real info we're often told in our paths through the military career and and then how to exit the military, that there's only a one way to do it for all that stuff. And we just know that's not the truth. And so that's why I'm excited. Often we talk about, hey, go out, get your first job, figure things out, find yourself what you wanna do. But that's not always the case. Sometimes people know what they wanna do. They have an idea probably stems from i'm guessing uh what you wanted to talk about today but excited to have a fellow west point grad 2013 grad grant demarie did i say that right i know i just i just asked you but it's funny as i was a language major but often i i still get pronunciations pretty bad but no excited to have you i I know you want one of the things about getting out the information out of the military is get all the information get it efficiently and then how do you go through it to figure out what the heck you want to do with your life. We, that's, that's what we do in the military all the time, planning for an operation, so on and so forth. So excited to get into those topics. I actually, my last job in the military is working at Headquarters UCOM, where we saw all sorts of high-level plans, and I was just an No. 3 captain sitting there, I'm you know, not really participating because I didn't know much about operational planning. Grant, I'm interested to hear how you Got into this. Why, why don't you tell us a little bit about your time coming out of the military? It looks like about two years ago, right? Relative recent.
1: That's right. About two years ago. Really good to be here. So thank you. Yeah, um, you all, I broke all the rules. I <laughs> necessarily transitioned the way I did. I would not endorse that path, fun as it was for me.
0: I know. I know what you're saying. What? But what was it that caused you to go? you know, outside the box and say, hey, regardless of whether or not this is smart or safe or whatever, something obviously caused you to do that. So what is it you think, it. was it something from the, from the military you didn't like, I don't want to work for somebody ever again, or did you see a problem that needed to be solved so much that you just had to go run with it?
1: So I actually applied to grad schools and thought okay. I was going to go study math at Georgia Tech. And in fact, I was all accepted and had that as the plan. And... I'd had entrepreneurship in the back of my mind for a while. I'd certainly wanted to found a company, and I'd been involved in some operational level planning, both in the Ebola response in Liberia and then two joint task forces in Iraq. And I said, this is horrible. It's almost 100% PowerPoint. The number of errors that could have been prevented and the speed that could have been brought about by even slightly better technology I almost can't believe this problem hasn't been solved yet. And of course, you dig into it and you find out actually a lot of really skillful people have tried to solve that problem, and it just never really caught on. I said, maybe I will be the first. And go on, Scott.
0: No, no, I was just going to say, at UCOM, I was there in 2007, 2008 in the knowledge management branch, and that was like a whole new concept, the idea of how do we manage our knowledge. Duh, sounds like a smart thing you ought to do in the military. And we were using technology, specifically SharePoint. And man, it took years before there was any semblance of usage. It's what do we expect from our... It's funny, we learn new weapon systems and new technologies there. But when it comes to things like oh my God, how do we use email efficiently? How do we u- learn how to use Word? How- and then getting stuck on things like PowerPoint. It's been the joke for dec- decades, PowerPoint Ranger. How is that not being solved? But what is it you're doing right now that is solving the problem? So a couple of things I noticed. I We actually
1: started with a huge number of interviews of all the people who are stakeholders in planning at these operational level commands. Uh, so think joint task forces, service component commands, combatant commands. Um, and I believe at last count, we're at 263 such interviews. Mm-hmm. And the first surprising thing I found that I didn't think was going to be the case is that knowledge management is mainly a soapbox issue. And by soapbox issue folks who, who could solve it generally don't rank it as a particularly high priority. Um, and to be clear, we've talked to everyone from the most recent SAMS graduates to combatant commanders and chiefs of staff of these large commands. And what I've seen is people care a little bit about knowledge management, Mm -hmm. but they care a lot about the quality of briefing from the planning team to the commanding general or admiral. In fact, I've found that no priority is higher than that. And in acquisition of software to, to help joint planning, really what the buyers care about is bring about timely informed command decisions and what the users care about is can you free me from my powerpoint burden while still allowing me the victories in front of the commander of giving a really good presentation in other words powerpoint one because it spoke to your need to give a really good presentation in the days before powerpoint everything was done on slides and you you brought them to a command graphics department like you just physically drew Mm -hmm. them them to a command graphics department they gave you your transparencies you put them on an overhead projector (laughs) of course powerpoint is better than that so i think it's a no-brainer that powerpoint won because it spoke to it spoke to folks need and my theory especially post all of these interviews is that table stakes just to get started is to meet people's needs for a presentation that genuinely communicates what the commander needs and anything beyond that I think corrects a lot of the failures of PowerPoint. That is, even though it gave you really good presentations, it meant that all your data is dead. It lives in a whole bunch of separate slides. My estimate is that US forces in Afghanistan have made about 15 million slides so far. Um, and of course that data is lost forever.
0: Wow, I, I know the, the one time I, I had to give briefings to a general often, I was a liaison officer down in Al Udeed Air Base to the fighter squadron down there. And as the army liaison, I had to give the ground brief once a week to the general. And honestly, it was just a bunch of the slides that have way too much information on them. And I just had to update a couple of numbers each week. It was like the Iraqi pipeline's working or the power grid's at 20%. It was like, how is this relevant at all to the general? As for information, it it just totally felt like I was checking boxes. It was disheartening. But What is it we get misled by things like PowerPoint because you can put a lot of information, make it look all fancy and stuff. But really, it's about being deliberate with your information. And I wanted to talk about one from a perspective of what is it you guys do. But I'm also curious, Grant, if you have any thoughts on how that applies to your personal life, making decisions, following a career, figuring out what you want to do as you're getting out of the military or maybe well after the military, just figuring out, hey, I do want to go be an entrepreneur or work for another startup or whatever it is.
1: And so two sounds like there's two questions there. One is what we actually do. And one is the yeah, yeah. probably more interesting to the audience of what I think about approaching entrepreneurship or working for a startup and so on. So easy question first. What do we actually do? hmm. Well, we auto-create and we auto-update all the outputs that a planning team would need to make. So, for instance, you need a sync matrix to show how is this plan unfolding in time. If you make a change on our sync matrix, then it's automatically reflected in your order, automatically reflected in the slides or conceptual visuals that you might bring to the commander, and so on. In other words, auto-create and auto-update. We do some other cool things with your data, but I think auto-create and auto-update is the truly central thing that we do.
0: Okay, cool. Then, then, yeah. Let's just wrap up more about one brief. Like, who is your customer? Because even people on active duty, they might be listening to this show about thinking about, hey, how do I want to prepare for transition or whatever but a lot of veterans in these roles or active duty still in these command roles are looking to I, I, what I get from senior lieutenant colonel types is they're just frustrated with their command because they might be put in charge of a project where they got senior people that they're in charge of. Everybody's got ideas like, who's your customer? Can you give us an example of you know how your solution made their lives easier? Because that's really what this is all about. I, I'm going on with this because I just remember you're bringing back so much bad feelings around PowerPoint. It's, oh, my God, this is still going on. I've been out for 12 years.
1: So we just came from an exercise okay. with a major defense customer. And unfortunately, I, I can't give their name. But what I can say <laughs> is it was, a, it was an exercise around a defense of Thailand scenario. Basically, a fictional country, Chinese proxy has invaded Thailand. And the task at hand, and of course, this is a simulation, an, an exercise, is create the operational level plan to respond to this thing. And on their first day of using our software with relatively little training, meaning the thing is just, just pretty intuitive, they were complete an operational design. And from all the other exercises I've seen, that was more than three times as, as fast to get to the stage they were that they would have gotten to in any other software and i think the reason this happened is they didn't have to spend time making slides and they didn't have to spend time sharing knowledge between anyone because all the right components each fact each assumption each specified task each risk and so on were all reusable and were all tracked in terms of where they came from as reusable building blocks in other words they were just way faster mm-hmm. and of course when it comes time to revise that thing well with auto update
0: uh, now it means that
1: even the largest plans are agile.
0: Are you getting any put? Because what I'm finding is whenever there's innovation, you got to have early adopters. And then the later, this is, what's the name of that guy? The innovation curve. I, I'm assuming you I, I, that there be, be some old generals out there, but ah, that was quicker, but I want my PowerPoint slides or some old colonel who's just been doing it some ways for, for so long. They're not willing to adapt they're fighting back are, are you seeing that are you seeing people that are like oh my god this is so much better let's move quickly in the other direction i'm assuming it's the latter
1: i would say there's there's a mix of both but honestly people yeah. have been really good at this sort of thing from what i've seen one anyone is skeptical when you hear about software like that and i think they're right to be skeptical meaning if you're the the you know, kernel j3 of, of a or J J-5 of a combatant command, and you've seen so many of these pieces of software come and go. I mean, We're not the first people to say we're going to solve planning. I believe we're the best, but yeah. there's actually been a program of record to fix this since 1963 under Secretary McNamara. Now that is, there's 57 years of accumulated failures to solve this problem. I'd be skeptical too. Wow, okay. Um, Anyway, so I think that there's a real skepticism. What I found most people are willing to take a demo. People are pretty willing to hear you out and give you a shot. And not every one of my demos has been great. Some of them have been amazing. Some of them have actually caught up something new that I hadn't thought of. Um, mm. But I found that people are, people are pretty willing to take a demo, especially when you, you get someone who arrives. And I don't know if this guy's right, but I do know this guy's genuine and if he's right a massive acceleration in making timely, informed, command decisions, that's a huge deal. That's a massive transformation. And I I think you can imagine some consequences. That's the difference between 2004 Iraq reaching a reasonable plan to combat the insurgency after about a year versus Mm -hmm. reaching that plan before the insurgency had hardened. Same idea in OPECOM today. If it's March, 2020, and most of your a lot of the assumptions behind your con plans, your O plans, your campaign plans have changed due to COVID. Mm-hmm. I might, you know, give their five a, a call and say, Hey, you should you should change all of these. Revise every one of these things today. And they'll say, oh, that's cute. It's yeah. cute, but you don't get it. Revising an O plan takes two years. So we surely will not.
0: Right. And they just shut it down. It's one thing to have an idea like, hey, I can fix this thing you've been working on for 57 years, our entire military, how many millions and billions of dollars have probably been spent on this. And you obviously got to have some specific skill sets. Are these is this stuff you've been good at? Are you always been a a software guy? Or did you recognize, hey, at some point, I'm going to need to build my skill sets that you said you didn't you ended up not going to grad school Would that have helped you out in any way or was getting into it in applying skills you either already knew or learned on the fly to get this thing going so, so quickly where you're already doing demos. I know a lot of software companies in the works for a while and they don't get to demos very quickly.
1: I'd say I'm heavily in favor of jumping into it. And I know that's not what the conventional advice is. In fact, I had planned to not jump into it. I had planned to stay in the army three months longer than I actually did in order to get my GI bill benefits. Mm-hmm. I had planned to go to grad school. And even I had planned to take my first three months out of the army and stay with my folks so that I could save the money on rent. And I didn't do any of those things. I ended up saying, no, I'm going to jump right into it. And I would love to cast that decision of, hey, I'm gonna boldly venture in the unknown, but it's not even close to true. Um, Mm -hmm. The actual thing that, that frees you up to do that, and that's, I think my recommendation for transitioning is how much have you saved? Mm-hmm. In other words, if your starting position is $100,000 in your bank account, you can and you're single, you can afford to mess around for quite a long time and mm-hmm. not be at any risk. Uh, whereas if you're close to zero or, or even negative with, of course, that compounded, if there's additional folks you need to support, then you're really stuck. You have to make money right away mm-hmm. and you have to go into a job that maybe you would have picked something different if you'd had more time. So the way I did it, I, I did not, uh, prepare particularly well in my early years in the military. I was very focused on, I'm just going to be the best officer I can. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, the good news is it really pays to be a single deployed captain. So <laughs> yeah. I my, uh, my last year with, with OIR and I was able to extend and ended up spending 13 months there and essentially zero of that was spent. And the effect of that was, well once you include the remaining pay on my, what do you call the leave when you leave? Terminal leave? Terminal leave, yes. Yeah. I have, I've forgotten all my army terms already. Now, when you add it all together, it means I was starting with about 90,000 in savings, of which essentially 100% was accumulated in the final year in the army. In other words, wow. I came in pre the last year and said, I'm really in a bind, aren't I? Mm-hmm. If I leave without money, then... I must get a certain job right away or I must at least use the GI bill and stay long enough to make that happen. At the very least, my options are constrained. And I said, well, if I find a way to get myself deployed and stay there, um, mm-hmm. make myself useful enough that folks will, uh, will break down barriers to help me stay there. Will that... Yeah, really yeah. changes the options available
0: no i mean that I'm, I'm glad you brought that up That that's what i try to preach so much because it's we always joke about a guy getting in the military first thing they do is go buy the shiny car regardless of rank if you're not making any money as an 18 year old and you're making a thousand bucks a month and you don't need any of it because all your food's paid for and your lodging's paid for what if what's the shiny object we could have people get excited about that they do save some money. And if they are saving, that it's not just in retirement accounts because you can't touch that either if you're 30 years old getting out of the military and wanting to do something different. And I think, you know, what I'm screaming from the mountaintops and and I think you're a perfect example of this is if you're a little bit intentional, whatever the number is that you can save specifically for that moment of transition, because that's the opportunity to go find yourself, to relax to start a business, to do some other investments, maybe some side gigs where you're learning skill sets, but not necessarily doing the job, so to speak. So to get back to that kind of that other question where I wanted you to take some of that that systems skill set and the software down to the individual person in that decision. Is there anything you could you could glean on? Hey, how do you deliberately gather info, process it? when we're in a world, especially right now, it's asymmetric warfare in, on a day-to-day basis when it comes to how's the civilian world working? How's the financial world working? How's our po- politics working? Where do I fit in as a veteran? I mean, it's daunting. You, you see it in these veterans every day who are who say to me, I don't know what I wanna do when I grow up. I don't know how to translate my skills. And I think, hey, we're looking at too narrow of a, 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 a data, <laughs> for lack of a better term. On how this world can work for you if you choose it. So a couple of things. First of all,
1: you know what they say: a new car is a great investment. But in all seriousness, don't don't do that. <laughs> um,
0: Unless you're filthy rich, which is the point. Then go buy many cars. Yeah, like, but do it people, later.
1: <laughs> real world rich people don't
0: do that. Exactly. That's that's everything what we
1: I've observed is that there's a tiny number of people who get money and, and say, what I really want from this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are. And the vast majority don't live anywhere close to that. No. <laughs> but uh, a- anyway, in terms of transition planning, maybe I took this from a, to an extreme. I own a company that is literally oriented around planning. So perhaps this is a little too extreme, but I, I had an actual transition plan that I spent a while on. I found that you really need some time to, to figure it out. I took my R&R leave from, from Iraq to to the Scottish Isles, and I took it just a couple days. And sat outside and wrote that thing out and said, mm-hmm. um, here's here's what I really want to accomplish. Um, here's the things that are, are genuinely valuable to me. Uh, here's the things that are, that are less so. Wrote out a bunch of options. What happens if I go to grad school? What happens if I start a company? What happens if I go to someone else's company first to try and, and find out more stuff? And so on. And then I sent that to a lot of my friends. And what was really interesting is everybody... Everybody I sent that thing to had probably responded with at least 500 words and 500, pretty interesting words. Like, okay. Have you thought of X and, and so on. And I'd say that after a couple iterations, the, uh, the TPV seven, as we eventually called it, was something to be proud of. And to be clear, one of my, one of my buddies said, ah, your transition plan version, and it was like, like transition plan version. <laughs> And he's like, ah, it's the TPV. I'm like that acronym doesn't make sense, but, but it stuck. So I transitioned on the, the TPV seven.
0: Okay, cool. I, I, I love the idea of going and getting feedback from your peers one way or the other. I remember I sent something out once asking, it was more of a, a, a personality test and I was shocked <laughs> To get feedback uh, like that, but I'm glad you were able to go, you know, figure out what you wanted to do when you got out, found out a way to implement it. I think so many are, are afraid to to do anything that's different outside the box. So, really appreciate you coming on today to to share your wisdom. Tell us how do people get a hold of you? Who should be reaching out to you, and where can they find you?
1: My uh, my email, Grant at onebrief.com, a good number of people actually jumped to me a lot of people who are thinking of starting companies in the defense space um, okay and I'm pretty willing to chat meaning if you're thinking about starting a company even if it's not in my space but especially if it is there's just so much stuff that's not written anywhere that we found out over the last couple years and I'm pretty happy to share that Um, and then obviously folks who can benefit from using one brief with one caution. I don't think there's a clear demarcation of where the tactical level ends and where the operational level begins. Mm -hmm. Some people say, hey, well, the core echelon is is actually tactical. Maybe that's true. I think that what makes the operational level is whether seeing your forces and, and the enemy forces as a system is the dominant mode of thinking. And If thinking of it as a system is is correct, which could be the case at a special forces group, which is maybe not operational echelon by doctrine, but certainly is by, can you benefit from our product? That said, a brigade combat team is definitely not, which means we really need to stay focused on who are we building our product for? There are amazing products for the tactical echelon. We're just not one of those amazing products. If you're below the level of division, our product probably can't help you. I'm still happy to talk but I don't think we're going to give you any benefit, but above that, I am, I'm very happy to talk.
0: Yeah. Once the slides are, if you're doing 200 PowerPoint slide briefings, that's probably love. I think as a platoon leader, I wasn't doing quite that many slides, but oh, awesome. Great. Hey, really excited for what you're working on. And honestly, if it can make us end these wars quicker and more efficiently, I'm uh, all for that. I'd like to to get everybody home after all this time. So I'm glad to see uh, young grads out there being, being innovative. And I look forward to seeing you in around in the entrepreneur circles. I know there's a whole bunch of new ones out there. So I hope you're tapping into those, but happy to share if I know anybody. Actually, I know a lot of people in the contracting space on the marketing side of things that I think uh, might be interesting for you to chat with. Yeah, yeah, let's chat about that afterwards. But anyways, Grant, thanks again for uh, joining us and uh, for everybody else, we'll see you next time. Take care. Take Thanks again for listening to another episode of Veteran Wealth Secrets. Be sure to subscribe to us on all the podcast channels, also on YouTube, and share it with a friend. Visit our website at usvetwealth.com to get access to all of our free resources, including the first three chapters of Veteran Wealth Secrets, The Post-Military Guide to Gaining Autonomy and control you can get that today on our website first three chapters for free or you can go to amazon.com if you want the kindle or paperback we have other resources all over the website so check out usvetwolf.com to learn more